Welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the nations. I'm Ray Patterson. You're here on the Noahide Nation show, and we are certainly glad that you are, because we have a great show today. Let me bring in my co-host, Prescott Johnson. Prescott, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing very well today, Ray. And yourself? I'm doing pretty well as well. Good. We're both doing pretty well. Is <laughs> great. Well, and as I mentioned to our audience, we've got a, a pretty good show today, and it's actually going to be another in the series of our show last week. Will the real Messiah please stand up? And this is a continuation of the birth of uh, Jesus and the things that surround that birth. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, get some pretty powerful things in here that folks like you and I, Noah Hyde, will have to use as part of their tools in explaining to people why they believe what they believe. And hopefully we might even be able to change a few minds with uh, providing this sort of information. I guess in terms of we have a really good show is kind of in the ear of the listener, as it were, because it may not sit too pretty with some folks. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to move ahead with it anyway because it is such a vitally important subject that we, we can no longer allow it to just slide by us and, and not address it. So we're going to go ahead and, and continue on. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you know, we were talking about uh, last week, Prescott, was the believability of the whole idea of the virgin birth. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it was such a big deal, why was it so concealed that not all could see? I mean, certainly God would want everybody to have seen it to, for confirmation purposes. Well, here's you know kind of a, a, another thing that has to do with Mary and Joseph. According to Luke, Mary finds Jesus in the temple teaching the teachers. This is in Luke two forty two through fifty, I believe. Uh, I have to look that one up, folks. By all means, all the sources that we give you, take it upon yourself to go ahead and, and confirm that what we are saying is true. But this is in uh, Luke two forty two through fifty, where, and many of us already you know know the story. But she actually scolds Jesus, you know, for 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 teaching where he wasn't supposed to be teaching. And interestingly enough, uh, Jesus responds with, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not? Do you not know that I must be concerned with the affairs of my father? Mm-hmm. And in fact, Luke even continues to add that they you know, basically weren't able to understand. I mean, Mary wasn't able to understand what was going on. And, you know, it just is remarkable to me, who more then Mary and Joseph would remember the miraculous events surrounding the birth of Jesus. Right. You know, one one could reasonably expect that a woman who goes through a virginal conception, she would remember, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> and and that the man who whose wife became pregnant while uh, they were engaged without any effort on his part, you know, he he would certainly not forget this. I mean, he would, he, he, he would he, remember it, don't you think? Well, well, according to according to the story, uh, he was actually visited by angels to Ex- assure him. Exactly, exactly. You know how you know Mary and Joseph were both visited by angels before the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, how how is it that they 
are so completely surprised just 12, 12 years later. I mean, he's a kid still. Yeah. You know, how are they, how, do, how do, uh, does Mary not remember that Jesus was su- supernaturally conceived uh, in a way never experienced on, on planet Earth or, anyone, or anywhere else that we know of? How, I mean, how does that happen? So, so which is the more incredible statement here? Is it that the the beginning of the story where um, where angels visited and she becomes impregnated mysteriously, or that many years later she has her twelve year old kid talking back like he knows everything, like you know, typical twelve year old kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, and then and then and then says, "Oh well, maybe I better think about what this kid's saying to me." But you know, it's kind of like, "No, she, you're right. She was a. Um, she really didn't understand uh, why. You know what his comment was, which doesn't jive with the whole point of the story. Uh, it just falls out of. It falls out of sync. It doesn't. It just. It's not congruent to to the. Uh, to the whole beginning and ending it's it's kind of like in the middle they forgot what happened in the beginning um and at the end and and this here is part of uh you know part of the problem that we find even with the the disciples when uh when apparently Jesus is sort of warning them what's going to happen to him and they're basically saying no 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 that's not going to happen and it's kind of like well if they understood prophecy uh and certainly being good jewish boys they had some idea of what was being taught in the synagogue, then they, they would have known this is what's going to happen. The Messiah is going to come and we're going to kill him and all the rest of it. And this is, this is how the, the whole thing plays out. Right. The fact, the fact is, is that they're kind of like scratching their heads saying, this isn't how this is supposed to work. <laughs> well, and the, the, uh, the other confusing thing, I mean, if I was, you were thinking if you were Mary or Joseph, you know, here's my, my 12 year old, uh, you know, kind of you know, arguing with me. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever happened to the fifth commandment to respect your mother and father? And certainly, I mean, if in fact he was only 12 at the time, he isn't going to be held personally accountable until he's uh, age 13. But nonetheless, he certainly would have learned, if he's teaching in a synagogue, teaching the teachers, uh, certainly he would know that the fifth commandment of to honor your mother and father also would include being respectful in your responses to their questions. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just a little well, sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, and I say this with tongue in cheek, I think the mistake you are making here, though, Ray, is, is that you, you believe that, that the commandments still mean something. And the, the problem is, is that when, when the, when, when I was a Christian, I would look at this and I would say, "Well, yeah, but this this is about that whole that whole um, epoch, that whole time period coming to an end, and the new age without the law, the new age of grace and mercy, and so on, is sort of being introduced." So I could, in my brain, I could find a way of processing this out as not really being that relevant a point. But this is this is why. I was not as uh, as a Christian. I was not convinced by many of of these arguments until I became convinced that the Torah actually meant something, uh, which is a whole other show to do. Because the New Testament uh, it seems to be giving mixed reviews. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I would say uh, so. Yeah, on that matter. and But once you realize that Jesus uh, had to, in order to be the Messiah that Christians want him to be, he had to come and be obedient to the law. This is the point that Paul makes. This is the point that Jesus himself makes. And so when we encounter these situations or these texts here, you say, okay, is he really off the hook for his behavior because he's Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he is. (laughs) I think he's more on the hook. The whole point, uh, he's supposed to be sinless. The whole point of why God got involved in this was that he's not supposed to be making these kind of, he's not supposed to be rude and he's not supposed to be nasty and he's not supposed to, you know, uh, there is a way that he could have responded to his parents that would have been completely respectful. Or he could have been apologetic, but then he couldn't be apologetic because then he would have to admit that he did something wrong, right. which he couldn't do because he's divine, according to the the Christian, uh, you know, the Christian way of looking at it. So this exactly. is this is the problem. Exactly. If he's divine, how does he talk like this? How does he behave like this when his behavior is supposed to be beyond that of the normal human being who can't keep the law? And I put well, that in quotation marks. In in you know again. Uh, you and I were both Christians, and yep. you know, even though we had questions, so much of this kind of stuff we just glossed over. Yep, and it did. never, it didn't occur to us. But you know, thankfully, we we stuck to it. We 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 kept studying, and particularly when we got studying into the the Torah itself, the Chumash, mm-hmm. the five books of Moshe, did we really uh, learn some truths? But you know, getting back to this this whole scenario, it's inconceivable that. Mary would have forgotten some of the things that had right. occurred yep. up to that point. I mean, another example is uh, when she was told, you know, by Elizabeth, you know, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." I mean, you can find that in Luke too. Um, I should yep. say, I should say, Luke also in chapter one, or I should say, uh, Luke one of uh, forty-two and forty-three. Yeah, uh, and you know, and she has, she says other things like, "My soul magnifies the Lord," and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his slave, of his slave girl. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things to me, and holy is his name. You know, Mm. you get enough of this... You're not going to remember why Jesus is supposed to be in the the, the synagogues and temples teaching the teachers? Uh, no, it's not even. It it it, it is literally in, inconceivable. I mean, yep. didn't didn't uh, Mary and Joseph do they did they forget about the wise men? Yeah. <laughs> who yep. who came and and offered you know all these gifts of of gold and uh, silver and I mean this was their Messiah. This is the 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 shining star. Uh, I mean, come on, they yep. would have forgotten all of this. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if you just put rational thought to it, these this is not normal. She, yeah. They would definitely have remembered, and in fact, would not have bothered to uh, search for Jesus. They would have known. Oh, he's he's teaching the the rabbis. He's teaching the teachers. And if you were to leave, they you know you would think they would say, "Well, why did you stop teaching the teachers?" Get back in there. God put you here to teach the teachers. But no, that's not what, what happens. So it's just one of those points 
that with a little common sense, a little rational thinking, and of course reading the verses themselves, you you really have to you know think outside the box. Don't remain in the box of the person standing at the podium uh, telling you. Uh, about this virgin birth and about who this boy Jesus was, and you know we're going to you know get into to some of that well, but it's just again Prescott and and to all of our listeners here, some of these things are just so irrational that if you were to look at it today, it couldn't be conceived of, and yet we're supposed to believe that it happened then, as if somehow we are uh, more intelligent now than they were then. I mean, my gosh, this was the time that the Messiah was, was born. God himself visited yeah. in the human flesh. I mean, come on. It just, it just you know, doesn't make rational sense. You know, here's another simple little thing that I know I didn't think about. When it came to having faith, because that's all we were ever told is, have faith. Who is this Jesus guy? Is he really my Savior? Oh, you have to have faith. Well... Here's a question. Who is the husband of Mary? Of course, who was the mother of of Jesus? Who is her husband? And it's funny because the answer really depends on whether you're a fan of Matthew or a bigger fan of Luke. Because (laughs) both Matthew and Luke differ in the uh, respective accounts of Jesus' uh, genealogy. And, you know, these can be compared. Uh, in Matthew, it's uh, 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 chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. And in Luke, it's chapter 3, uh, 23 through 38. Uh, and Luke states that, you know, Jesus uh, began at uh, about 30 years old, the son of Joseph, and the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, and the son of Malchi, the son of Nathan, the son of David. In Matthew, it says the origin of Joseph is traced back to Solomon, the son of David. Well, <laughs> you can't yeah. have it both ways and remain with the same answer. Yeah. You have to begin to question who, I mean, the, the, the genealogies are wrong. How can this be? Yeah. Both, supposedly, Matthew and Luke were there, Right. I mean, they should know. They both should have heard the same story. Well, you raise an interesting point because, and and we we both know that there is a, a, a refutation that the church offers on this, and that they try to make the claim that Luke's genealogy is about Mary, which uh, unfortunately is a, a bit of a stretch because nowhere in either gospel account, uh, you know, whether Matthew or Luke, nowhere. Does anyone point to Mary as having any connection to King David? Exactly. In, in fact, in Luke, the, the the genealogy that is supposed to be about Mary's genealogy, thus making the connection to the Davidic uh, dynasty, is that uh, the reason why they had to travel to Bethlehem uh, during the census was because Joseph was of the family of David. Earlier before that, when it's introducing the characters to the story, when Luke is introducing these characters, he introduces Joseph as a descendant of David. And in his genealogy, he makes the point, this is Joseph's genealogy going back to David. So, 
so the so this is really you really have to abandon reason and put on your faith cap <laughs> in order to say oh no no this is really Mary's genealogy there is no rhyme or reason to that based on the evidences given in the text that this is has anything to do with Mary's genealogy this is about Joseph's genealogy again back to the problem of well if if Joseph isn't really the father then it's kind of irrelevant uh and 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 so it is just one of those things that are problematic in these texts and and another thing with Luke that I that I love how Luke begins his book he says I set out to give a thorough account of everything I researched this I I listened to all of the witnesses I listened to the people tell me the stories so when people come along and they say this is all divinely inspired no the the book itself says these are accounts that were, were given to, in this case, given to Luke, that he was writing these things down. And Luke, when he was writing these things down, he was writing them down, believing that he was doing a thorough investigation, being a good Greek doctor. I mean, that's his claim to fame, is that he was a doctor, so therefore he was educated, therefore he, he, he would have been more concerned about the details and getting it right. And yet, he completely misses the visit of the Magi, the magic guys. Right. He completely misses the uh, children that were destroyed by King Herod when Herod realized that the Magi's uh, slipped out the back door and didn't come back and tell him where the child was. That there was um, that uh, the the trip down to Egypt is completely left out. All of these things that were all of the important points of Matthew's gospel are completely missing in Luke's, and all of the important points in Luke's gospel are missing in Matthew's. And that the only common denominator between the two accounts is, well, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And that's it. Everything else falls out of, uh, you know, in terms of following any kind of story. So when, when Luke comes along and says, I thoroughly investigated this, I looked into this, I wanted to write a thorough account, then it would stand to reason that he would have he would have accessed similar sources and comes up with a completely different story about his beginning from anything else that we find elsewhere in the new testament as as does matthew in the in the in the, the birth story but that that to me seems funny that he was willing because I've heard some people say, "Well, he just didn't want to repeat what Matthew said." I, you know, you hear all kinds of excuses that people will give, and and it's kind of like, "Well, it didn't stop Luke from talking about the miracles that Matthew talked about. It didn't stop him from talking about the teachings that Matthew talked about. It didn't stop right. from te- talking about the, all of these other things that are also in Matthew. It didn't stop Luke talking from those things." So, right. either Luke knew what happened in the Matthew story, or he didn't, and if he didn't. He didn't put the or he didn't put them in because he didn't know about them. So the question is, are these two different stories really? Um, do they really stand up? Just just in common sense, does it make sense that such important elements that we find in Matthew are completely non-existent in Luke, 
And likewise, this very wonderful telling story about shepherds on the on the hilltop and uh, you know angels coming down and singing to them and telling them to go to Bethlehem and and uh, the visit of the angel to uh, to Zacharias uh, who was serving in the temple who was married to Elizabeth and the you know the the parents of John the Baptist, which is a whole other story. But all of these things are completely out of the story of Matthew, but in the story of Luke. And, as I say, I can go and I can look at the four Gospels and I can say, okay, obviously John is a a bit of a strange character because his storyline goes off in a completely different thing. But the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, contain many of the same teachings, many of the same miracles, many of the... But yet, when it comes to the, the birth story of Jesus, there's these two very different accounts, these two very different... Uh, evidences given, facts given, that just don't fit together and have right. to be forced together uh, in order for it to work for the Christian. And the thread that's binding it is faith. Faith. And, you know, you, you mentioned the these are the accountings of. I love uh, the one that uh, was used, you know, that I, I've heard a lot, is that the New Testament is the inerrant word of God. Right. Well, yeah. guess what, folks? If that's true, then we've been told a lie. <laughs> yeah. Because God, God definitely made some mistakes then. And, you know, you're talking about this whole, you know, Luke and, and Matthew and, you know, whether or not Mary is a descendant of, of uh, you know, King David and so forth. There's nowhere in the New Testament at all, there isn't a single verse that makes the claim that Mary is a descendant of David. Yeah. It's, no. It doesn't, you know. Forget about you know Matthew and and and, and Luke, but there's nowhere in the New Testament. Uh, no. So you know where this where this comes from is once again beyond reason. Yeah. And as, as you've said, I mean, uh, these are folks who have abandoned reason for a purpose, and and uh, you know our mission should be find out what that purpose is. That's right. And there you will find the truth. But yep. uh, I see we're you know bouncing up against the bottom of the hour, Prescott, and this has certainly been a, an enjoyable first half. We hope everybody is uh, enjoying it right along with us. Uh, but let's go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll be back with more from Prescott and myself on our new series, Will the Real Jesus... I keep wanting to go, will the real Jesus? No, it's the real Messiah. Will the real Messiah please stand up? We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of this, we think, very cool show. And at a minimum, it's very informative, and we know that some folks aren't going to like it, but 
all we ask is that you consider the sources, <laughs> the sources that we are giving you. We honestly want you to look them up for yourself and to contemplate, to pray on these. Because I'm telling you what, and the Torah tells us this, if you sincerely seek Hashem with all of your heart, He's going to show you the truth. There is yeah. no way around it. He is going to show you the truth. Prescott and I wanted to you know, kind of mention, uh, because you know this is pretty serious stuff that we're talking about here, and we did say that we we're going to have a series on this, and we are going to have that series. But at the same time, we want to remind you that we're not going to give up the entire show just to this huh. subject matter. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're going to still be doing interviews when we have the opportunity to, to do interviews. We're going to, you know, have other shows. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we're going to be doing a new show, you know, we kind of feel is a new show, is uh, what we're calling Fireside Chat. We're going to call it the Heart to Heart Fireside Chat, where, you know, Prescott and I just you know, kind of get down to the, having to talk uh, heart to heart with our listeners, and we're still going to be doing that, so we're just not going to be focused on this one subject, as important as it might be, but it will be an ongoing series, so just, you know, just to remind everybody, right Prescott? I mean, am I on the yeah. track here? Kind of a be a reoccurring, uh, you know, a reoccurring theme, you know. So we won't do it every week, but uh, you know, every once in a while, we will delve into this question of uh, will the real Messiah stand up and talk about the different aspects of of why Christians believe what they believe and why we, from a Torah perspective, have a problem with that, and, and why we believe that the truth does not testify to their claims. So. Indeed, and it, you know, some months it might be more frequent than others. So it just we'll just see how it goes. And certainly, with your input, folks, your your, your emails, you'll be our guiding light, so to speak. And uh, with that, I'd like to kind of get <laughs> into. Could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get into something that is really a phenomena. And it has been, you know, just ever since I can remember. And uh, when I first, you know, discovered the truth, I found this to be even more prevalent than I ever noticed before. We're going to go ahead and, and touch on that right now to kind of close out this two-show segment on uh, uh, the birth of Jesus. And that's just who is the Son of God? There's many who who teach this, and they use, in fact, Matthew <laughs> tried to teach it, and he uses uh, Hosea 11.1 1 to basically describe Mary and Joseph and Jesus being called out of Egypt. And specifically, it's in Matthew 2, uh, 13 uh, through 15, where it makes the claim that you know, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus fled to Egypt until recalled by an angel. Now, this is supposedly in fulfillment of a prophecy, out of Egypt did I call my son. And, you know, quite frankly, there, there is no prophecy. It's, it's simply restating uh, facts of, of Israelite history and, and nothing more. Uh, it, it's not a, a prophecy of Mary and Joseph and Jesus being called out of Egypt as back in the case of, of Torah in Exodus. It is simply not 
the case. And clearly, when when you hear this, listen to what these you know pastors, these teachers are are saying when they're talking to you and using Hosea eleven one as as a reference point. And in fact, they're going to tie this right back into uh, some others that that we're going to be we're going to be getting into a couple real heavy hitting things here that are so obvious that you'll sit back and you'll say just probably what I said my gosh how could I have missed that it's so blatantly mm-hmm. obvious and I mean I've said it you know so many times uh, over the years that you know I just I've just come to accept the fact that there's a lot in the New Testament that I just flat out missed and Baruch Hashem that I have found the truth I, yeah exactly because uh the it is it is it really is you you get into you get into um a a culture as a christian where everybody else is essentially uh and i don't mean this disrespectfully but they're toting the party line and so you're not going to have people basically uh getting into arguments about these things because you're endangering your very faith by doing so if you don't believe, for instance, that Jesus was born of a virgin, and if you don't believe he's divinity, you know, then in spite of the fact that so little in the New Testament, let alone the rest of the Bible, but so little in the New Testament even touches on this, that you are endangering your very salvation, it becomes a very difficult thing for many Christians to begin to question their own texts, because they realize that once they start doing that, then they open up the door to possibly uh, cutting themselves off from you know that faith promise that uh, you know claims that you know what Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me." And, and that means that if you're cut, if you cut yourself off from that, then you you are potentially risking your very salvation, your very life, your very eternal destiny is attached to what you believe. And so when you're surrounded by people who serve the purpose of reinforcing these ideas as opposed to being able to question them and use rational thinking and use intellectual uh discussion about the text and looking at the Hebrew sources to understand is does this really make sense um, you know you, you are going to come away with a lot of questions and that's a very dangerous thing for many people to have questions on their mind it really gets in the way of faith it really does and so do the answers which <laughs> are are now coming about and you know obviously we're not in a position to be able to provide you with all of them in the the short time that we have available to us but hopefully we'll have provided enough in the way of of sources and source material that you can go to and and check out yourself don't let us convince you convince yourself this is your relationship yep. with Hashem not ours and, and Prescott is, is, I mean, you are so correct with your statement that it is only your salvation that's at stake. I mean, if yeah. you want true salvation, then you'd better get it from the only one who can provide that salvation, and that is Hashem. And it has always been that way from the beginning of creation. That's mm-hmm. the o- There's only one place. It's the source of life. 
It is Hashem. And they call it tshuva, which uh, in English you could use the word uh, repent, or better still, return. And returning to Hashem, and you will receive forgiveness for any sins that you may have committed uh, uh, against Him. You must return to Hashem. Put down your, your sinful ways and return to Hashem and walk in His path. And my friends, it is indeed all about your salvation. There's nothing else at stake here. I guess it's I guess at stake is the truth is at stake, but it is far, far deeper than that. And we hope that you will take it with you know that sort of seriousness because certainly that's the way Prescott and I are taking this. And you know, just to you know kind of get back into this whole discussion of you know who is the the Son of God. I mean obviously anyone in Christianity you ask them that question a question who who's the son of god you know they'll tell you that it, it is jesus and there's no a question in their mind that he is the the son of of god and we have to realize that we are all hashem's creation we are all sons and daughters of god we're all created all of our souls our physical aspect was created by two other physical people we call them our parents. And and this is indeed true. But without our souls, we aren't even, can't even be considered a, a human being. We would just exist as the animals exist. We, we exist on instinct. And it's, it's simply, I mean, we are supposed to rise above that. So... Let's get back into this, you know, who is the, the uh, Son of God thing. It's an interesting thing because we've kind of talked about you know the the sin of of Jesus when you know obviously he was twelve, so he can't really call it a sin. He's not going to be held accountable personally until he was thirteen years old. But you know breaking the the fifth commandment. But at the same time, you know the the using the Hosea uh, being a you know a continuation of the out of Egypt that I call my son. You know the the this prophet is is also telling us that and it says that those called out of egypt they sinned against god it says they sinned against god well (laughs) if they sinned against god and this is relating back and proving that mary joseph and jesus fled to egypt and were called back then that is stating a, a, a fact that jesus must be a sinner if, in fact, we believe uh, Christianity and, and that that's what Hosea is speaking about. Uh, of course, you know, I don't believe that. Prescott doesn't believe that. Orthodox Jews don't believe that. I mean, it's just, it's not a, it's not a fact, but this is what Christianity would have us believe if you get past the faith part and use common sense. Mm-hmm. You have to use common sense to get here that if Hosea is referring back to Egypt and, and, is, and is using Egypt as a point where everyone there had sinned against God, guess what, folks? That means Jesus was a sinner as well. Now, how can that be? How can he have been a sinner? It's a, it's a logical it, it, question, right? It is, uh, and and it, it comes back to uh, again a, a principle that that we are employing uh, both to the Isaiah seven fourteen uh, regarding the prophecy of the quote unquote virgin, and the prophecy regarding uh, coming out of Egypt 
These are all about going back into the Hebrew and deciding for yourself, does the surrounding text of the quote-unquote prophecy about Jesus, does the surrounding text really sound like it's talking about the event that it is supposed to be alluding to in the New Testament, that the New Testament is saying, this fulfilled this verse that the prophet spoke. When you go back there and you start looking before it and after it, you you have to come to the conclusion that it was willfully taken out of context in order to fit with the Christian message or with the narrative that the writer is giving us. Because you can't go back and and read uh, verses before and verses after those texts and say, yeah, that really sounds like it's talking about, you know, uh, when the, when they went down to Egypt and came out, it just it just doesn't it doesn't fit. Uh, and and uh, I'll let you continue, but that is in the next very next verse when they talk about the prophecy given to Jeremiah about the Rachel weeping for her children is a similar one where they take one verse out of Jeremiah and make it about this destruction of the children, which clearly, if you go back to Jeremiah and read it. It tells you what the whole story is about and has to do with being taken off into Babylon. It has nothing to do with a king coming and destroying children for whatever purposes. So, Right. And, and if you choose to deny this, then there's only one belief that you can have, and that is to believe what Matthew is teaching in, in chapter 2. Uh, and, and if you read chapter 2, you know, specifically looking at 13 uh, through 15, but read the whole chapter. If, if you choose to believe that by your denial of what Prescott just said, then the the context of the prophecy is that Jesus was a sinner. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. So, I mean, again, my friends, we implore you to look into this for yourself. Don't just believe us. Now, here's another little ditty for you. And this is probably (laughs) one of the most (laughs) famous things. This has been, if I had a nickel for every time this was used, I would be a wealthy person, my friends. I guarantee you. I would make Bill Gates' fortune look like lunch money. However, (laughs) this is how serious it is. And you'll all know when I say it, and Prescott, (laughs) you tell me if I'm wrong, but John... 316. (laughs) Invariably, this is the one that basically proves or is used as a proof text that Jesus is somehow the Son of God. Uh, Some actually have manipulated that so much that you're led to believe that Jesus is God by virtue of a trinity, which of course we'll get into that as as well as some of the other things, crucifixion, resurrection, atonement, forgiveness, all those wonderful things. But this John 3.16, you see it at every football game, usually behind the goalpost. Somebody's holding up a sign, (laughs) John 3.16. I have seen football players wear it under their uh, their eyes where they have the the charcoal, the, the black, to yep, help the with Bible. the help uh, reduce the reflection of the sun. Now they put Bible verses. John three sixteen is one of the biggies. 
And just in case none of you have ever heard of this, I'm going to go ahead and read it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. I mean, you mean to tell me that all I have to do is believe in this guy, Jesus, and I have everlasting life. Now, how can that be? It absolutely cannot be based upon Torah, based upon Judaism. You're talking about having a belief rather than doing anything. There are no mitzvot. Uh, uh, there are, you do no good deeds. Uh, you do nothing. In other words, you don't have to, uh, shall I say, earn your way into heaven or everlasting life. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. And others will say you have to believe that he died and was resurrected. Uh, whatever form that it comes in, this is the basics of this chapter and verse, John 3.16, which is paramount Christianity to belief mm-hmm. in the, the New Testament. And what I'm about to share with you, and Prescott, I'm sure you're aware of this. In fact, probably many of our listeners are aware of this. I would ask everyone to refer back to Exodus 4.22. This is where God himself tells us who his son is. And in 4.22, he says, Israel is my firstborn son. Israel is my son, my firstborn. There is no denying who God says his son is. And certainly if anyone would know who God's son is, it would be God. Don't you think? Or am I just out in left field somewhere? No, you're not out in left field. Because, uh, of course, that that text in uh, John uh, makes... A, a far more radical. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, Jesus was firstborn. He doesn't even say that. He says he's the only. Exactly. There's no other son. There, God has no other son. There and only Jesus. therein lies their mistake. That they can't. There's no way to recover from it. It is it is an obvious mistake that if Jesus is the only begotten Son, that means that God either lied to us in Exodus four twenty two that Israel was his firstborn son, and based on Christianity, it would then have to be that Israel is his only begotten son. Yeah. But they expect us to believe that Jesus is his only begotten Son, which means then that God had to have lied to us or. Israel is actually Jesus, which here again, if we reel in our common sense, (laughs) that's not what's being said here at all. He's referring to a people. He is referring to Israel is his first. And who does he say it to? He says it to Moshe. That's who he says it to. Israel is my firstborn son. There is no denying it, my friends. And you can check it out yourself. So every time you see John 3.16, you have to accept the fact that it is not being truthful. The writers of John 3.16 are not being truthful. 
And clearly, the Torah proves that. I mean, if we believe that the Torah, the first five books, are written in the hand of God, then we have to believe that it was God that told Moshe to write down, Israel is my firstborn son. In fact, Moshe already knew that because God had already told him that. <laughs> so, it's, you know, God probably just had to give him a little nudge. You know, Don't forget to write this down now, Moshe. <laughs> 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 so now just just in case some people are just to make take a little bit of glue here to bring this all together you have a prophecy in Matthew that says that the firstborn or that the that out of Egypt I've called my son is a reference to Jesus in Matthew and he quotes Hosea right. you go back to Hosea and Hosea says no 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 if you read this this is about Israel being called out of Egypt then you go back to Exodus and then you say uh, then uh, Hashem says to Moses, "Say to Pharaoh, announce to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son." Now, if you put those pieces together, there's no way you can come into the New Testament and understand that prophecy in Matthew or the statement in John to be uh, truthfully about Jesus. And if be- because. And I was going to say, and if you understand it that way, and the truth is right there, I mean, it's it's blatantly obvious, and believing it that way, it now calls into question so many other prophecies. They will not stand before this understanding. They fall by the wayside. They have to. Oh boy, and Prescott so looks like up oh on the top boy, of that I, I just looked up and saw that uh, we are there once again. And I apologize, folks. <laughs> it just never seems to, to be enough time. Uh, we hope that you have gotten a lot out of this. These first two shows of this series on Will the Real Messiah please stand up and we encourage you to send us your questions your comments you know any, anything at all to noahide at israelnationalradio.com and in the meantime we appreciate you being with us we'll, we'll hope to see you next week and always remember we are not human beings having a spiritual experience but rather spiritual beings having a human experience See you next week, Prescott. All right. Stay human, Ray. (laughs) Shalom. Shalom.